what I realized after I started tapping and started to turn the stress response off is that when you are in stress response, even if it's a low grade, your subconscious is doing its job. It's keeping you in fight, flight, or freeze because as far as it's concerned, there's a constant threat. So if you think about, you know, that tiger chasing you, well, you're not going to stop and pull up a chair and go, well, my knee aches right now. So I'm just going to give it a break. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design, how we live, the clothes we choose, and how we organize our space. I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, a certified KonMari consultant and personal stylist. I'm here to guide you on your journey to live a happy, fulfilled life. Every Tuesday, you'll get new insight on what it means to live well, plus actionable tips. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. Our guest today is trauma and EFT tapping specialist, Sherry Lukey. Sherry knows what it feels like to struggle in almost every area of your life, to try everything and not get lasting results. A medical specialist even told her that nothing more could be done. She's since healed from PTSD and years of depression, and she's helped hundreds of clients release anxiety and excel at business and life. Plus, hear how tapping has helped Sherry embrace her true personal style with fun, color, and confidence. Sherry, welcome. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm delighted to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Alexandria. I really appreciate the opportunity to share. So. Oh, pleasure. And also, we're officially Forbes buddies. So we were featured on Forbes within three days of one another. And your Forbes article is Mastering Your Body's Response to Stress in Business. And mine is How a Digital Cleanse Can Help You Get Organized for 2021. And so Mastering Your Body's Response to Stress, that's pretty huge and something I'm sure we could all really benefit from. Yeah, so entrepreneurs seem to often create products or businesses to solve a problem that they're facing themselves or to heal or help themselves. And it sounds like you've experienced your own deep transformation through your work. So tell me a bit about your journey from PTSD and depression to healing yourself and healing others. So a few years back, I was actually really sick. I was overweight, multiple immune diseases and depressed. And I finally got in to see a medical specialist. And after four months of test, he said, I'm really sorry, but you're one of the four people in the world that I don't know what's wrong with. And there's nothing more that can be done for you. I was devastated, you know, because at the time I was 48, I'm 56 now, but I thought, wow, I thought I'd have some good years left. And at the time we had a Portuguese water dog and I couldn't even walk him for 10 minutes without having to sleep for two hours. I decided actually that if I could figure out when everything went wrong, I might be able to figure out what went wrong. And so I actually broke my life into three main areas, health, finance, and relationship. And I graphed my life. (laughs) And so what the graph looked like, it looked like a roller coaster, health and finance especially. But on the graph, there was a particularly low point. I have 25-year-old twin girls. One of them is a horseback rider. And when she was 15, she had a really serious horseback riding accident. She had a horse rear up and fall back on her and then roll off. And I thought she'd actually died because I witnessed it. But it turned out she broke her pelvis on both sides and ruptured her bladder. That event was the low spot on the graph. And so I was like, okay, how would I describe that? And it was like, well, it was traumatic. And so then I type in trauma into the Google search bar, right? And 
PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder comes up. And so I did some quizzes with that and I was like, yeah, that's what I had. And then the next obvious question was like, well, how do you cure it? And so, you know, the top ranking stuff was a lot about drugs and, and there was reviews about that they didn't work very well and all kinds of different stuff. And as I started to dig a little deeper, EFT tapping came up. So EFT stands for emotional freedom technique, more commonly known as tapping. And it said that it was exceptional with trauma. And so I was just willing to do anything at that point. I was so desperate. And so I just threw myself at it. I bought all the books I could find. I started reading case studies and I started tapping kind of like a crazy woman, (laughs) all very secretively though, because it looks really unusual, right? It looks weird. It feels weird. So I was like, I'm not telling anyone I'm doing this. So I was very bathroom closet kind of thing. Closet tapper. (laughs) Closet tapper, totally closet tapper. Yep. And I was also convinced it wasn't going to work because it was so unusual. Really within a month, I started to notice that I was getting quieter in my brain. I'd say with about three months, I had lost all the weight because I had put on probably 30 pounds through the course of that whole event. I started to feel energetic. I was feeling hopeful. My mind was kind of blown that something so simple could have such profound results. And so at that point, I spent a couple months trying to put the physiology together because that science part of me wanted to know why this was working. And then once I put the pieces together, then it was like, well, I need to get certified in this and help others because I had really spent 30 years trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I really started to believe there was something innately wrong with me. I had tried so many alternative different techniques and tools and all of them had value. All the learning and all the books and all those seminars and all the alternative healings had value, but nothing made me show up differently in the world. So I got certified and started working with people and the transformations that I've been able to help people have. I mean, I get texts and emails that make me cry. Contribution is one of my top values. And so to be able to do that, it's pretty awesome. That's an incredibly powerful thing to make that contribution to your own health and wellness and then to other people as well and help them show up differently in the world. That's truly amazing. And so what do you feel is missing from our general understanding of trauma? Such a good question. When people think about trauma, they think about war and rape and natural disasters. And those are all traumatic events, 100%. But what we don't realize is that when we really experience like three ingredients, which is shock, a feeling of isolation or being alone, feeling of powerlessness or helplessness, and we have those ingredients, we really have trauma. And it's completely subjective, right? Because what one person might witness might be traumatic for them. What another person might witness won't be. It really is a very personal experience. And so our subconscious, when we experience those three ingredients, tries to make sense of what's going on so that it can prevent it from happening again. And what happens is it creates limiting beliefs about ourselves in the world. And then that's how we continue to operate is off of these limiting beliefs. And so One is understanding trauma and having a different lens for it. And then the other part is understanding how powerful the subconscious is. And then most of our subconscious beliefs and ways of being in the world and seeing the world get developed is all before the age of seven or eight. And we don't have a filter before then. And so then when you add in looking at the world through these ingredients, you can almost guarantee that pretty much every person that's been on the planet has been traumatized to some degree or another. 
because people are like, well, how do you know if you've experienced trauma? Or how do you know if you have limiting beliefs? And what I say is those breaking your life into those three areas, health, finance, and relationship, and just asking yourself, are all three of those areas working for me? Like to your point about living your ideal lifestyle, right? It's like, are you actually living your ideal life? And if you're not, if one of those areas or more aren't working and you've been trying to change them for a really long time, I can almost guarantee you that there's limiting beliefs that are actually running the show, not your conscious, what you want. And that's where I really love to share with people that it's really not your fault. It's not your fault because people will, like I did, I blame myself. I was like, oh, I must be really weak-willed and lack discipline and all of that. And it's not any of those things. Like, yes, you do have to take action 100%. It's like you can't sit with your legs crossed and <laughs> be on the <laughs> I did try that. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't effectively create things. But it's not your fault from the perspective that there's really these subconscious limiting beliefs that are creating how you show up in the world. And so there's kind of two ways to look at that. Really, everything is energy. And these limiting beliefs are energetic as well. And so because everything is energy, it has a vibration and a frequency. And so that's what matches up is not what your conscious wants are, but what your subconscious beliefs are. But if you look at it more from a cognitive behavioral perspective, when you have these beliefs about yourself, then it creates certain thoughts and those thoughts create certain emotions and those emotions create your behavior and those behaviors done on a regular basis become your habits and those habits end up in your results. So really either way, you can see how the beliefs are really the foundation for the results in your life. And in your experience, what is it about EFT tapping that's so effective when it comes to treatment of trauma and limiting beliefs? So why it works so effectively is because it's based in ancient Chinese medicine from the perspective of acupressure points. And this was part of my two-month deep dive into finding out why it was working. So we have the Chinese meridians, which are considered energy lines in the body. There was two French scientists that wanted to find out if these energy lines that were connected to these acupressure points were actually a thing. And so what they did is they actually injected nuclear isotopes into the acupressure points and then followed the isotopes. And what they found was is that the isotopes followed the exact energy lines that had been plotted thousands of years ago with Chinese medicine. And so that was super cool to find out that it was like, no, these are actually a thing. And so what happens is that when you stimulate those acupressure points, which are really just high concentrations of nerve endings, when you stimulate them, it sends a soothing signal through the nervous system to the amygdala, which is your fight, flight, or freeze, the smoke alarm, basically. <laughs> it sends a soothing signal to that and basically says everything's okay. And so tapping really is literally what we're doing by stimulating. We're actually tapping on those acupressure points. And I mean, you have them all over your body, but for convenience purposes, we use upper body and finger points. And so as soon as you stimulate those by tapping on them, this soothing signals get sent. And so by interrupting that stress response, now instead of all the blood flow going from your frontal lobe into your primal brain and getting ready to fight, flight, or freeze, now all that blood flow comes back and you have access to that whole creative problem-solving brain. So now you have the ability to make different choices. Now you have the ability to see things from new perspectives. And what's really quite miraculous is that because that stress response is off, your subconscious really comes on side to help you heal. And so information will literally kind of bubble up and you'll have awarenesses, you'll have information and you'll have memories that you've completely forgotten about. 
And so while we're tapping, that's what will happen is that information starts to become available. And now you can see that how you're behaving or what you're thinking is a belief and not a fact. And you can choose differently. Just another super cool science part about it is that you're really actually creating new neural pathways. We know this for a fact now. There's a scientist, Dr. Stapleton in Australia, and she's doing a ton of research around EFT tapping. And she's actually got access to an fMRI machine where they do brain scans. And her thing is food cravings. And so she actually took two groups of people and ran them through the fMRI machine. And what she asked them to do was to think about all the foods that they shouldn't eat, hamburgers and chips and chocolate and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but just They're good, but they're not nutritionally helpful for you, and especially if you're trying to lose weight or get healthy. And so she asked them to think about those as they were in this machine. And she was back with the tech and they're looking at the scans and everyone's brains are lighting up like Christmas trees. It's just like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about yeah. all these awesome oh, things, yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> Starting to get hungry even thinking about it, right? <laughs> all the temptation. Yeah, exactly. And so then she kept the control group, didn't do anything with that group. And the other group, she actually tapped with them for five weeks and then brought them back in again and ran them through the machine again. Same thing. Think about all the things that, you know, that you shouldn't be eating, all the craving stuff, right? And of course, the unfortunate control group, the same thing happened. The brain lit up like Christmas trees. But what was amazing is when they ran the people that had done the tapping through the machine, there was nothing to the point where the technician actually looked at Dr. Stapleton and was like, what did you do to these people? Because <laughs> it was looked like they weren't even in the machine. Like there was just no activity whatsoever. Wow. That's absolutely extraordinary. I know. Yeah, it, it is. Like I've experienced the results and, you know, and I've witnessed the results and transformation in others, but to have the scientific information, to have that fact, it's just so much easier to actually buy in and to be motivated to do it. Because like I said, it feels very odd. <laughs> Ready to try some tapping yourself? I know you want to. Sherry will guide you on a lovely tapping exercise all about letting go. Even if it feels a bit weird, go on, try it out. And there's a tapping points diagram in the show notes on alsoinpink.com. So feel free to refer to this or just follow along as best you can. Sherry will specify the tapping points to focus on as you go. Okay, ready? Here we go. This is Sherry Lukey, and this is a tapping audio for letting go always taking full responsibility for your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. And taking a really nice deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And starting on the side of the hand. Even though I get so frustrated with myself, when I can't let things go, I want to deeply and completely accept myself anyway. Even though I can get so overwhelmed, I want my body and subconscious to know that this frustration and overwhelm is not a threat to my survival.
even though it can be hard for me to let things go. I want to deeply and completely accept myself anyway. Top of the head. All this frustration. Eyebrow. All this overwhelm. Side of the eye. I get so triggered when I have to let things go. Under the eye. I get so frustrated and overwhelmed. Under the nose. There's just so much to do. Under the chin. And what if I don't get everything done? Collarbone. What if everything isn't perfect? Under the arm. I get worried what people will think of me. Out of the ribs. There's just so much to do. Out of the wrist. It feels like it never ends. Top of the head. It feels exhausting. Eyebrow. Trying to decide what's important and what's not. Side of the eye. Trying to get everything perfect. Under the eye. What if I didn't have to get everything perfect? Under the nose. What if I could accept myself exactly where I am? Under the chin. Release all the worry of what people think of me. Collarbone. Release the judgment of myself. Under the arm. I'm open to the possibility. Under the ribs. That I could have clarity about what's important to me. Under 
furtherest, that I could have clarity about what's not important to me. Top of the head. I create the possibility of letting go of things easily. Eyebrow. Accepting myself where I'm at. Side of the eye. Letting go of the need to be perfect. Under the eye. Giving myself permission to relax. Under the nose. So that I can think clearly. Under the chin. Releasing all fears of judgment. Collarbone. Trusting that I can make the right choices. Under the arm. Choosing patience and self-compassion. the ribs, choosing to be happy and grateful, onto the wrist, choosing to easily let go of things that are unimportant to me, and taking a really nice deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Be sure that you are tapping twice a day or whenever you feel stressed so that you can soothe your nervous system and reprogram your subconscious mind. And there's so many alternative medicines nowadays as well that are on offer. So it's great to have more scientific medical feedback where you think, okay, if I do pursue this for a while, I am likely to get actionable, serious results. And the other cool part, which I love about it, is it's like you take it with you wherever you go because it's like you're tapping on yourself, right? And two other modalities that are definitively working in the subconscious are hypnotherapy and EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprogramming. Both can be effective for people. They weren't for me, and tapping was the thing that worked. The thing that I feel so excited about, because I'm really about empowerment, is that the difficulty with the hypnotherapy and the EMDR or anything else that requires the practitioner or the therapist is that you always have to keep going back. And the fact is that shit happens everywhere, right? <laughs> so in that moment to be able to take yourself out of that stress response and move yourself into relaxation is so incredibly powerful. And so if someone's interested in getting started in tapping, what would that process look like? You would presumably do some tapping if you notice in the moment that you're in a stressful situation. But is there also a benefit to it as being a kind of daily 
practice, whether or not you're feeling triggered by certain emotional responses? How would you build it into your life effectively? The biggest thing is actually beginning to notice that you're actually in stress response. Because as a culture, we're really taught to live in our heads. And that's really not how it is. Our mind and body is connected. So I have a formula that I call my R3 formula. And the first R is recognize. So recognizing when you're having the negative thoughts, when you're starting to feel that stress response, you know, the rapid heart rate, sweaty palms, shallow breathing, stomach upset. Those are kind of more extreme stress response, but just noticing when that starts to kick in. And yes, absolutely using tapping to get out of it in that moment. And that's kind of what I call level one tapping. Especially for women, because we spend a lot of time sitting on the toilet to go there all the time. I always say, while you're there, you might as well, you know, tap in toilet. You might as well have a little oh. tap while you're there. <laughs> yeah, T and T. I like that. Totally. Yeah, I'm all about, I really like alliteration a lot. <laughs> and then I have a bit of a potty mouth, so that kind of fits as well. So. <laughs> and the biggest thing is remembering to do it, to be able to get your body used to being in relaxation response, because it's likely very used to being in stress response. The first R is recognizing and the second R is for reprogramming. And reprogramming is what you're doing when you're tapping. You're acknowledging that you're upset, the stress response, and then you're able to actually choose something different as that blood flow comes back into the frontal lobe so that you can actually be like, okay, I'm really upset about this thing. But in the moment, you might just need to be able to just shift it. It's a really awesome physiological way to actually head heart and gut shift the tape loop that you got going on in your head. And then the third R is for reinforce. And so that's what I mean about the repetition, that it needs to be reinforced. So say you have this neural pathway for collecting things, you know, that feels like you need a lot of stuff. And so that neural pathway has been paved and it's a really path of least resistance for your brain. And so in order to change that, you have to create an off-ramp, you reprogram and choose something different. But that new off-ramp off of that highway is like a goat trail. It's not the path of least resistance. So you have to actually keep choosing to take that until that becomes the paved highway. And then the brain does this amazing thing called pruning, that it basically prunes the neural pathways that aren't being used. And so if you quit using those, they'll get clipped and no longer exist. So that R3 can be used on a level one type tapping. And then I have a level two, which is where you're actually taking more time and you're starting to dig into what's the driver's behind these thoughts and behaviors. What is those actual core beliefs? That's what's actually driving the behavior and the thoughts. And then the level three is when you're really getting into difficult stuff. You're going back as far as you can. You're following the thread as far back as you can to try to really get to the root of it. When you know that you've had traumatic events, that's where you want to make sure that you're getting support, that you're not trying to do that on your own. Although I did do it on my own, and but that was, that was because I had a really really strong limiting belief that I had no idea was there that I had to do everything on my own. <laughs> yes. I, I think a lot of people have that. I have it to some level. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think as you know, as entrepreneurs, I think there's a bit of that, right? It's hard to delegate and do all that kind of thing. But yeah, in terms of implementing on a regular basis, it's like that level one tapping can be done anytime, anywhere. And the more that you are switching into that relaxation response, the more your body and subconscious get familiar with it. And the subconscious's job is to keep you alive and breathing. And how it does that is it equates anything that's familiar as safe. So that's why it's so difficult to change. Like for instance, when you're doing your work where you start to 
really look at things as to whether or not they're serving you anymore is that it can be so difficult to change because the subconscious is going, I don't know that I can keep you alive in this new, clean, decluttered place, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's no gray area for it. It's either this is going to kill you or this is going to keep you alive. And it can't tell the difference. It's like when you have a thought about a tiger being in your office, your body starts to respond as if there is one. It can't tell the difference, which can work for you and against you. It can work for you from the perspective that if you visualize, because you have some brilliant visualizations within your podcasts, that can work for you to get familiar with it because again, it can't tell the difference and it works against you from the perspective when you have the negative thoughts and the negative stuff going on. So, Yes, I've recently taken this course on mindset, which has been quite eye-opening in many ways and it's prompted me to do some of these visualizations myself. And I do love that idea of stepping into the reality that you want to live in. It's such a powerful thing. I mean, even the instructor of this course was talking about watching a film and how we go through some of the same experiences in our body that we're seeing, even though we're not physically experiencing them. Our mind is such a powerful tool, isn't it? For better and worse. (laughs) Well, and, and exactly. And that's why Olympic athletes use visualization because of that. It really becomes embodied. And I would just say in terms of like the visualization, your words and your voice are just so delightful (laughs) to listen to. And you're so descriptive. And that's so perfect because what you want to do is elicit emotion because emotions are the language of the subconscious. And so in order to really get that information in there, you have to stimulate emotions. And that's probably one of the number one failures with tapping or people will say, oh, it didn't work for me kind of thing is that you're not using the right words to stimulate because the words are to stimulate the emotions. There's a lot of stuff on the web and you can tap along. I have a YouTube channel that has tapping audios that you can tap along with. But the important piece is, is that you're resonating with the person's voice, with the words, that it feels like a fit. And even if the words aren't quite right, you can override and use your own because it really is all about that emotional experience. So when you're doing the visualization to make sure that you're really embodying that because that's when it starts to stick. Let's say you took one of my recent visualizations, like stepping into your indoor jungle. If you tapped along to that and that was something that you also really wanted to experience, would that add another level of benefit, do you think? Absolutely, 100%. So if you held your hand in the traditional prayer position and the sides of the fingers where the cuticle is are acupressure points. When you're doing a visualization, it's brilliant to use the finger points because it's less distracting. Again, it's sending that soothing signal because sometimes when you're listening to a visualization, there'll be some part of it that it's like, oh, well, I'm not that. Like for instance, for your plant one, which was beautiful. And I'm, I love plants. So oh. I've, I've, got, I've got my own kind of indoor jungle. But listening to your visualization, let's say that someone is somewhere where they don't have any plants and they really want to have plants and they find that really upsetting. Well, by stimulating the finger points and sending that soothing signal, they're actually going to be able to make that space to be able to maybe bring plants into their life and not be so focused on the fact of what they don't have. That's so helpful. And so... If you were going to give advice to someone who was, let's say, listening to one of my visualizations, how could they use tapping? Could you describe the process at all? Yeah, in terms of tapping along to, like, say, one of your visualizations, you would be holding your hands in the prayer position and the sides of the fingers where the nail bed is, those are the tapping points. You can go through all the points or you can just stay on one. And I'd say really recommend just staying on one. And so for me, I tend to go to the middle finger a lot because anger was always my default. (laughs) 
you don't even have to tap on them. You can just rub them. And so that's what you would do while doing one of your visualization is just stimulate. But that said, some people feel like when they rub certain points or when they tap on certain points, it just feels so good. And because there's like 12 meridian lines, those energy lines to do what's considered a full round, you're tapping on each of those meridian lines. And so you're kind of getting them all. So as soon as you stimulate one, you're soothing the system. So even when you're doing your visualization, if there's a point that just feels really good, you can just tap on that point too. The idea though, is just that you can really kind of get out of your head and more into the feeling and into the body of it. Imagine if you live the life you really want, you know, your dream life. Have you ever taken time to picture what it would look like? I mean, what it would really look like? We're not talking about the life you feel you should have, but deep down, the life you secretly want, your ideal life. Maybe you already have a vision. You wake up after a good night's sleep on the most comfortable mattress ever, with pillows that support your head just the way you like. You go to your organized closet and choose colorful, unique clothes that fit you and make you feel good. Then pad through a clean, warm, uncluttered home to the kitchen. Your refrigerator offers up the most delicious, healthy options for breakfast. And you have a day of unstructured time stretching ahead of you to do with as you like. But... That's never going to happen, right? Wouldn't it be nice to take a step back, sweep aside all your worries, and imagine... That's where I come in. I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, and I've developed an exclusive questionnaire for the Also in Pink community to help you create a vision of your ideal life. Simply join the Also in Pink email list and you'll get instant access to our Ideal Lifestyle Vision questionnaire. Go on then. Make a cup of your favorite tea or whatever floats your boat. Go to alsoinpink.com and click Start Now. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. It seems like so many of us have that disconnect with our body and I'm just as guilty as the next person. I think for me, within a few weeks of starting my podcast, I began to get these full body aches particularly in my arms, the soreness and tiredness. And that's particularly noticeable on days when I edit the podcast. And so I've realized I've created my own perfect system for overwhelm. A recent podcast guest and mutual friend of ours, Pam Dibbs, talked about this idea that we create the perfect system for the results that we get. Yeah, so I've decided to finally take steps and I'm going to take a summer break from the podcast and have a week where I'm properly off, no work of any kind, and then start to get ahead with content. And I think all of that will help me maintain a healthier routine. So I think, yeah, being the sort of person who likes to commit to something and follow through with it it's hard to admit to myself that i need to just take some time off but i think (laughs) that's the most sensible thing good for you because that's breaking that pattern and that was the thing for me so when i went to that medical specialist and he did all those tests all the tests came back that there was nothing wrong and yet i physically felt same thing tons of aches joint ache tiredness 
fatigue, you know, brain fog. It was so difficult to hear him say, we don't know what's wrong with you. And all the indicators say that you're a healthy person. And yet I felt like the polar opposite of a healthy person. Because I mean, if somebody was sick, I would get that virus and then I'd end up with a secondary infection and then I'd be on antibiotics and a second round of antibiotics. And that whole thing would just rinse and repeat over and over and over again. What I realized after I started tapping and started to turn the stress response off is that when you are in stress response, even if it's a low grade, your subconscious is doing its job. It's keeping you in fight, flight, or freeze because as far as it's concerned, there's a constant threat. So if you think about you know, that tiger chasing you, well, you're not going to stop and pull up a chair and go, well, my knee aches right now. So I'm just going to give it a break. (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) You know, so repair is just not available when you're in stress response. That's only available when you're in relaxation. Same with reproduction, all of that. It's like you have to be in repose. And so once I started tapping and I started to turn off the stress response, that's when my body actually was able to start healing. And that's when the aches stopped and the brain fog started to lift because your body, like it can heal, but you have to be in relaxation response in order for it to do that job because it just can't, like the subconscious won't turn off. If it thinks that there's a threat in your life, you know, so even for yourself, like with doing the editing, right? Love the podcast piece, yeah. right? The <laughs> editing is very laborious. Like your podcasts are so clean. It's clear the amount of effort that you put into it. But if that's causing you stress, then of course, then what happens with your body is like your subconscious like, oh, we've got tigers in the office when we edit. (laughs) And so then inflammation gets sent out because of all the hormones and all the chemicals that get released when you're in stress response, right? And so yeah, it's learning, like, first of all, taking that break, like you said, that it's like, it's important to reset, like you say, a proper break, where it's like, you're not sort of half working or quarter working, and then also coming back to it with a reframe of how you want to address that. And so when we're able to reframe from a perspective of, no, this is choice, this is what I want to do, I don't have to do this, then even in just being able to look at it from that perspective, starts to move you into relaxation. Because as soon as you feel like you're in a corner that it's like, no, I have to do this, I don't have any choice, stress response starts to come on. And for me personally, It took me quite a while to realize that it was a stress response, this body ache and everything. As a person, I feel like I'm very relaxed and don't let things get to me very easily. But obviously, there is something happening there on a physical level that I'm not aware of. So I think that's quite eye-opening, really. That's how you recognize. It's like, well, what are the results you're getting? Because when I was trying all those different things, it was all really interesting. I love growth and personal development, all that stuff and healing, but I wasn't getting results. And so when you look at your life, and that's what I loved about your quiz, like it asks difficult questions where you're actually take a look at this. How do you actually answer honestly? When you look at that, then you can start to recognize what's working and what's not working because the results don't lie. I think that's so true. And prior to that, I felt like it was really necessary to create something like this in-depth ideal lifestyle vision quiz. Because I know if you're just a KonMari consultant, which is part of what I do, as part of the method Marie Kondo does have people imagine their ideal lifestyle, but it feels quite superficial in some ways because I think it's hard to tap into that idea. For a lot of people, if you haven't ever thought along those terms, it's very abstract and you can't really perhaps latch on to it easily. So yeah, part of my whole reason for creating that hopefully allows you a bit of access to that concept, even if you might resist it a little bit at first. And that's why it is so helpful because you have so many choices and ideas to stimulate what you want, because that's 
one of the things that I really notice majority of my clients are women. From a cultural perspective, we're still taught to put others' needs ahead of our own. And so when you learn to do that and you do it over and over and over again, pretty soon you don't know what your needs and wants are. And so when somebody says to you, what's your ideal life? It's that I'm like, it's like empty bubble. It's like, I I don't know, right? So it seems like the perfect time to ask you then, Sherry, what would you say your vision is for your ideal lifestyle? This is fun going through your quiz because it was like, I'm pretty close to my ideal life. And I wouldn't have said that prior to doing the work that I'm doing. And that was the other thing, like my external life, anybody looking at it would have said, wow, you got the world by the tail on a downhill pole kind of thing, right? (laughs) I haven't heard that one before, but that's good. Is that Canadian expression? (laughs) Oh, I think it's probably prairie because that's where I grew up. (laughs) And especially because prairie is really flat. So the idea of having a downhill pole would would have been really quite a concept. (laughs) But that's the thing, like people would have looked at, you know, we live on a beautiful acreage, you know, I've got these healthy children, I'm married to a beautiful man. And externally, it would have looked like, oh, you got it going on. But internally, it was not a happy place. And clearly because of the results I was getting. But now I feel like my outside matches my inside and my inside matches my outside. I absolutely love, love the work that I'm doing. I feel like it took me 48 years to figure out what I was on the planet to do besides being a mom. And this is it. And just feel so blessed and grateful to be able to help people transform and be that contribution. That said though, it's like the part that needs more work is to work a little bit less and to have a little bit more time freedom and more downtime kind of thing. I'm really peaceful and very grateful for what we have and where we are. I just feel really fortunate. But so much of that came as a result of changing those core beliefs about being able to allow the beauty that's in my life, instead of looking for what wasn't there, to be able to start to look for what was there. That's so true, being more conscious of the gratitude that you do have, I think. Gratitude was a really difficult thing for me. And I felt really ashamed of that. In terms of like from a world perspective, oh my gosh, we're like beyond wealthy when you compare to just about anywhere, most of the world. And so then to not feel grateful felt so shameful for me. And then as I was doing the tapping and, you know, having those things bubble up, what became enlightened for me was that I actually had a belief that if I was grateful, I wouldn't get any more. It's like the valve would get shut off. Okay. So if I was grateful for what I had, that's it. That's all you get. (laughs) And and it was like, uh, no, that's not how it works. But subconsciously, that's what it felt like. But my subconscious illogical self was going, nope, if you're grateful, that's it. There's no more. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. Absolutely. Well, hello. Can I just say thank you? Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, it would mean the world to me if you'd rate and review also in pink. I'll make it super easy for you, and you can even win a prize. Submit your review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts for a chance to win a 20-minute one-to-one virtual coaching session with me. Pick my brain about life, KonMari, or style. I'll announce the monthly winner on each Ask Alexandria episode, so be sure to listen out to see if your review gets picked. All you need to do is go to ratethispodcast.com slash also in pink and rate and review the show. Want tips on how to win? Write something genuine. Be thoughtful and let your personality shine through. 
bonus points for a dash of charm. And for your weekly dose of podcast joy, subscribe to Also in Pink so you never miss a show. Thank you so much. You really are a star. And so have the conversations you've had with clients changed in the last year and a half, would you say? Are people very fixated on issues around the pandemic or what's it been like with the people you support? That's a really good question. I have some really long-term clients for those because of my philosophy of really it's coming from a limiting belief. And so for those clients, it's been an opportunity and they've seen it as that. For some of the newer clients, it's been teaching about turning off their stress response. I even noticed for myself, like I've been doing this steady now for a long time and just going out was very stressful, right? It was like, do I wear my mask? Or is there's other people not wearing their mask? Or there's people not following the rules or people following the rules? (laughs) And it was just like, it was a lot. And I know how to regulate myself. And so for anybody that's not familiar with that, that was really where we started. And it's really actually where we start all the time, but it was really amplified. And so it was taking and using the tapping tool to turn off that stress response and really encouraging people to use it even more than they already were. Because people could actually feel when they went out because of the amplified anxiety, they'd start to feel it. So it was an opportunity to kind of go, well, if you didn't know you're feeling anxiety before, now you know what it feels like. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting as well. There's a lot of re-entry anxiety because we had enough time. And for most people, the governments and systems got to a place of like, this is what we need to do. So everyone's subconscious was like, okay, this is how we're safe, right? And then now it's changing again. Of course, from the subconscious perspective, change equals death, right? So now it's like, oh my God, I got to take my mask off. And then because there's a level of inconsistency, right? If you're not double vaccinated, well, then you should really be wearing a mask. And so then when you vote, it's sort of like, if you're not keeping yourself in check, you'll find yourself going, well, that person's not wearing a mask. Are they double vaccinated or not? And I think probably the important message that I'd want people to hear is to know that change is really uncomfortable, even if it's a good change. So going back to being able to see people's whole face, being able to hug people again and things like that, for some people will be awesome, other people not so much, even though it might feel like a good change, it's still going to be uncomfortable. Same thing with the work you do. It's like you're changing things. And so there's going to be a trigger. It's reminding your body that this change is not going to kill you. And then with COVID, it's sort of like, well, there is a possibility it could kill you. That's where it's so important to tap and acknowledge that it's like, is it possible that not wearing my mask or that person not wearing the mask that I could die from this? Yeah, it is possible, but is it likely? No. And so then it comes back to that choice piece of like, how do I want to feel? Do I want to feel anxious and stressed or do I want to feel peaceful and calm? Because feeling peaceful and calm, now I have that whole creative problem-solving brain available to me. You see things differently. And so really important for people to be conscious of recognizing how they're feeling and then choosing powerfully how I want to feel. But yeah, I think the the re-entry is probably going to be almost as stressful as it was to start with. (laughs) Yes, but that is so important that you can choose how you want to feel in all aspects of life. So Sherry, would you say that you have any kind of lifestyle philosophy or mantra that helps you hashtag live your best life? Yes. Asking myself, am I in relaxation or stress? That's a constant kind of like, how am I actually feeling about this? Not just my head. Am I in relaxation? But in my heart and gut are all three in relaxation and checking in on a regular basis. 
Yes, which I imagine can take some practice for those of us who aren't as used to being aware of what our bodies are telling us. Exactly, because when I start with people, we'll do kind of a body scan where you kind of like a printer scanner where you top of the head to the tip of toe kind of thing. And I always say to people, don't worry if you don't feel anything because it's like you've spent a lifetime being taught to not pay attention or that emotions are scary. It really is being very patient and compassionate with yourself that it's a process. All these things that are worth doing are a process, which uh, we have to remind ourselves if we keep doing them, then we will achieve what we want to achieve or more. And how about style? Is that something that you think about much in terms of your work with clients or the way you present yourself or what's your relationship with your own personal style? Well, actually, I have a really funny story to tell. So prior to doing this work, I was very tomboy. Pink was like off the table. (laughs) And it was so apropos to have you, you know, also in pink being on that podcast, I feel like I've arrived now. (laughs) So thank you for that. Actually, I've embraced pink in a big way. But when I was first deciding to get certified, so I was actually driving to get the training. And because I was becoming very aware of this kind of lack of femininity side of me, that it was better to be a boy. Basically, it was that was how you got ahead in the world kind of thing, right? And so I decided to challenge myself. I only put skirts and dresses in my suitcase. And I didn't have very many, so it was a pretty easy choice. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, for this training, and it was like a four-day training, you're only going to be able to wear skirts and dresses. And I remember doing it and having to tap and going, oh, this is going to feel really awful, right? But I was like, no, you need to do this. Stretch out of your comfort zone, right? So I get to the hotel and we go to have our first training in the morning and I open up my suitcase and I forgot that I'd only packed dresses and dresses. <laughs> and I had a little freak out and went to the training. I'm feeling so self-conscious. It was crazy. My mind could hardly listen to the lecture because it was just so on it about wearing this dress, that it was too much, that blah, 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 all of that. And so after doing this work, what's so fun for me is that I fully embraced being able to dress up and having more professional look. I feel really good being in that more professional place, but I also feel extremely comfortable in work boots and a jean jacket and really being able to embrace both parts of me. I think from a client perspective and also from a public perspective because tapping is woo and you know it's getting more and more mainstream i felt like it was really important to have that professional persona because it's like it right away gets rid of the this doesn't have any credibility i want it to land that this is a scientific thing and this is effective and and also there's a seriousness that you take with it that it matters but yeah that was a whole evolution getting to that place because Part of me was like judging myself super harshly that it was like, oh, who do you think you are? You know, it's like you think you're all that and a bag of chips kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) And being able to let go of all the self-judgment and just be able to get into a place of like, what makes me feel really confident? That's the question at the end of the day, isn't it? I, I always say style is about embracing who you are and who you want to be and being comfortable in that space. And then the other part to that too was actually owning that I really like nice stuff. Like I really like nice, (laughs) you know, nice clothes because there's all kinds of judgment. I grew up quite poor and there was all kinds of attachments that it was like money was bad and all that kind of stuff. And so when I started to dress this more professional way and like nice things, of course, there was so much judgment going on in my head that it was like I was vain and, you know, all that stuff, right? So I'm happy to say that's not a thing anymore. So... 
Oh, well, that's wonderful. I enjoyed your style story very much. And what would you say your top tip is for living well? So something listeners can take away with them and apply in their own lives. Being more compassionate with yourself. We're pretty hard on ourselves. I think if the world has a whole lot more compassion generally, the world will work a lot better. Compassion is the way forward for yourself and others. And so now we've come to the finale. So I have a few quick fire questions for you to end the show. So for sure. You go. <laughs> ah. So what's your most treasured possession? And of course, no judgment. My Laramar ring that I have on this beautiful kind of aqua color. My sisters actually gave it to me when I got my certification for tapping, but it's a color I absolutely love. We have a pool and, and then I also love hot holidays on the beautiful blue ocean. So that's probably my most prized possession. And it matches your eyes, I think, from here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and what's your favorite article of clothing or accessory in your current wardrobe? So the ring is one, and then actually it was really inspired. So what I have on today, it's kind of like little branches, kind of gold branches. And then it has little pine cones and then some chain kind of stuff. And it's matchy earrings because I really like matchy matchy. <laughs> but it kind of embodies a lot of how I feel like I like bling and I love nature and kind of dangly in terms of the tactile. So it kind of embraces all of those parts. So it was quite fun to put it on this morning because I was like, oh, I haven't worn it in a long time. So thank you for that. I love that concept of bling and nature. That's a, a wonderful combination. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And so that's been part of my whole kind of embracing that, right? Because it was like, well, no, you have to choose. You either have to be an earth muffin or you have to be a bling Barbie doll. And it's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> what would you call it then? A cross between an earth muffin and a bling Barbie doll? Bling muffin. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Your challenge is to use it now in everyday conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta write it down because I'm gonna forget it. <laughs> and everybody's gonna be like, what does bling have to do with eating muffins? <laughs> Listen to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and where do you go to get inspired? Nature. Yes, a wonderful place. And what's one book or resource that you'd recommend for everyone? So I have a book that actually was the first introduction to the mind-body connection. And that was when I was 18. And it's called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And I feel like that book is profound from the perspective that it encompasses everything that I'm wanting to teach. It's just a tiny little gold book, but it's full of wisdom. I love that. A tiny gold book full of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. And there's a bling again, right? So there you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> and here's a very KonMari question for you. What would you say that you're grateful for? Grateful for my health and family. And finally, Sherry, what do you love most about life? Human potential, because it is absolutely infinite. Humans' infinite potential and their resiliency is so profound to me. Everyone is walking around with a story that you don't know and have overcome things that would blow your mind. Yes, our stories and human potential is truly infinite. Well, Sherry, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for chatting with me about all of these wonderful things, compassion trees, bling, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> tapping. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Alexandria. It's just been an absolute pleasure. I can't believe it's, it's gone so fast. It's like, it's just delightful. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with trauma and EFT tapping specialist Sherry Lukey. Be sure to check out the extended show notes on alsoinpink.com. There's a tapping points diagram plus a how to tap video. Definitely worth checking out if you'd like to tap your way to wellness. So here are some key takeaways from our conversation. Yes, you can manage your stress with Sherry's three R's. Recognize, reprogram, and reinforce. Recognize when you're experiencing stress. Do you get body aches like I do? See if you can observe your body's response to stress. Then reprogram. This is the tapping part to soothe your nervous system when that fight, flight, freeze response is triggered. And finally, reinforce. Repeat and reinforce your desired feelings. And the best part about tapping is that it's an effective stress relief technique you can take with you anywhere. So try tapping to some visualizations. My ideal home visualizations are a great place to start. Choose to manage your response to stress. This is a huge part of living well. That's our show then. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Alexandria and this is Also in Pink the podcast all about lifestyle design. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Also in Pink wherever you get your podcasts. And the absolute best way to show your support is to write a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. This really helps more than anything to promote the show. And of course, tell all your friends. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life.